Sponsorship of the KQED live audio stream comes from Xfinity Mobile, featuring customized wireless plans. Customers can choose unlimited, buy the gig, shared data, or a mix of both and switch it up anytime. Learn more at XfinityMobile.com. From KQED in San Francisco, this is the Writer's Block. My name is Lizzie Acker, and I'll be reading from Monster Party. Alien Vacation The two aliens are at a bingo game. They are confused. They're not used to bingo games, and they're trying to understand Earth culture, but Earth culture is very hard to understand. One of them buys a ticket for a side game and starts chewing on the cardboard. The other makes marks with the dauber on his hand. Let me tell you something about these aliens. This is their honeymoon. The word is out about San Francisco as a number one tourist location, not just in French-speaking countries, but on other planets, too. Alien tourists love this place. How you can tell an alien tourist is that they look like a German, but they speak perfect English. Also, they don't have Lonely Planet. They have this other guidebook that directs them to the Outer Richmond, the Taco Bell on 3rd Street, and always bingo. The aliens have been at bingo for a few minutes only. They paid in cash. They love each other very much, in an alien way, which is completely different from a human way. The alien way of loving someone else very much is, they are 100% sure the other alien exists. The aliens are in love, so they have sex. This is how. First they look each other in the eyes. They do this for a long time, ten whole minutes. This is considered highly romantic. Sometimes they blink. After ten minutes, Alien 1 spreads her fingers out on the table. Alien 2 does the same thing. Alien 1 inches her fingers over a little towards Alien 2. Alien 2 also inches. They do this slowly. The Vietnamese lady across the table from them doesn't even notice that they're moving. She doesn't even think they are strange. She's very serious about bingo. Alien 1 inches her fingers more, then Alien 2. They each inch some more until their fingers are touching. Alien 1 lets her hand glide over Alien 2's hand slowly. She feels the texture of his skin. He feels the texture of her skin. Her hand stops. They hold still like that, one hand on top of the other. They're having alien sex. It's totally appropriate to have alien sex in public, even on their planet. Everyone does it. Their parents had sex in front of them all the time. Aliens even do it at work. The aliens have sex for two hours, and then the Vietnamese lady gets a big bingo and she tells them they've been good neighbors and gives them each a $5 bill. They leave the bingo hall and walk to the freeway, another hotspot on the alien San Francisco guide. At the freeway, they throw rocks at cars, and Alien 2 shoves the bill up his nose. After a while, they teleport home to their planet. The guidebook says the cops will be coming. It's true, the cops will be coming any minute. Futurism. On the 4th of July, I sat outside Hayden Sweet's house in Blue Democracy's mind by smoking five cigarettes at one time. My brother's girlfriend asked if it wasn't sort of dangerous to smoke at all, let alone five cigarettes at one time, but I flicked some ash into her face and told my brother to bring out the bottle rockets. He looked unsure at first, but I said, Are you a woman, kid? And he ran off. I took the beer his girlfriend was drinking from her hands as she stood there staring, and I drank the whole thing in one gulp and slammed it down on the pavement. A shard of glass flew into my cheek, and I laughed, wiping the blood across my face. A tear rolled from under my brother's girlfriend's right eye as my brother ran up, breathing hard, holding the bottle rockets. "'Hey, what are you going to do with these?' he asked. "'You know those are illegal, right?' said his girlfriend. I spit two of the cigarettes out because they were done and took the bottle rockets in my hand. 
Look out, babies, I said as I took another cigarette from my mouth and began to light the bottle rockets one by one. My brother started running and his girlfriend started screaming, and as people streamed out of Hayden's house, I spit out the remaining cigarettes, lay on the ground, and put the wooden ends of the bottle rockets in my mouth. I heard someone yell my name and someone crying, but I just lay there, sucking in the sulfur smell of danger through my nose, waiting for the future. Oregon Trail I picked the five toughest boys I knew, and I was a doctor, and I bought the biggest wagon. We set out from Independence in late April, but Ricky died of dysentery, and our supplies were low because we were eating too much for dinner. At Chimney Rock, all we could shoot were some skinny little squirrels, and Dave shot himself in the foot, and our pace must have been too fast because morale was really getting low. Then Dave died after the gangrene set in, and nobody would trade with us for food. Things picked up a little in Fort Laramie. We celebrated Fourth of July, and Ben played the fiddle. Two days later, though, we crossed the Green River, and the wagon tipped over, and we lost three sets of clothing, one oxen yoke, and Ben. After that, Jared died of a broken heart, or maybe it was the wounds from the hostile Indian attack. Joe and I tried to raft to the Dalles, but now he's somewhere down the river, along with my wagon and all the livestock and me. Shark Week I got a hotel room in my hometown, just for two nights. My boyfriend was coming to town the next day. Where else was I going to stay? Even at home it was difficult to couch surf without pissing someone off or ending up naked in the wrong hot tub. Plus my parents didn't live there anymore. Plus I hated everyone. Of course, though, the first thing I did was walk the four blocks over to Joe and Brian's house. I forgot for two seconds what trouble they were and how they were just as responsible as everyone else for unseating me as the school mascot and starting the lesbian rumors and all the other stuff and basically ruining my life. It was May, so there were daffodils all over town. I got there, and the whole house was full of boys I went to high school with. Aaron looked like he was on drugs, or maybe he was just selling them, and Jim started going on about how I was supposed to call him James now. They were all drinking, obviously, and smoking weed, and watching the Discovery Channel. Aaron was trying to get Jason to play magic cards with him. I said, you guys know that only losers and third graders play magic, right? I downed the beer they'd given me as quickly as possible. Hey, you guys want to go to my hotel room, I said. Joe started to wrestle with me. One time, a year before, Joe and I got hammered together when I was in town for a couple weeks. Hysterical amnesia, I think, but I forgot what happened, and then we were making out in his front yard. We were laughing a lot. Then the other guys showed up and were like, what the hell is going on? And so we went into the shower with all our clothes on and got sort of wet and knocked a bunch of stuff over. He drove me back to the place I was staying then, and he was still so completely drunk. No one ever mentioned it again, even though afterwards I basically wanted to marry him and have at least 15 of his children, and I spent the whole summer imagining our life together, how truly in love we would be, all the sex we would have, how we would survive together after the apocalypse. We could go to Cub Foods or something and get some wine, I said, 15 minutes later, after I drank another beer and punched Joe in the leg, and then he put me in a full Nelson on the carpet and I started yelling that was an illegal move, and Brian said, what's an apex predator? Jim brought over the black kitten he had just bought and asked me what I thought was a better name, Charles or Destroyer. Destroyer, I said, and Aaron started yelling, I told you it was better, Jim. And then Aaron said, I mean, James. Hey, let's go to the hotel then, said Joe. Dude, the show on next is called Blood in the Water, but you can take my car, said Brian. Jason started stealing magic cards from Aaron, and Jim went off to play with Destroyer or Charles, and so Joe took Brian's keys and we drove his car to the 24-hour grocery store where we used to hang out in high school when nothing else was open. I bought a bottle of cheap red wine, and Joe bought a huge bag of bulk sour gummy worms. 
We got back to the Motel 8 and asked the guy at the desk for a corkscrew. Then we lay on my bed and turned on the TV to Nick at night and invented a drinking game to Sister Sister. When Tia or Tamara wear a denim hat, we have to drink, I said. Whenever the older woman gets sassy, we have to take one drink and eat one gummy worm, said Joe. When someone mistakes Tia for Tamara to hilarious ends, we have to eat two gummy worms and drink for five seconds, I said. If you hear the laugh track, you have to drink until it stops, said Joe. Hysterical amnesia again, and the bottle of wine was gone, but not the candy, and the lights were out, and I was whispering something in Joe's ear about painting with Bob Ross, and he said, that is strangely hot, but I don't know why. When I woke up in the morning, my left leg was over his hips and I could see his tattoos, one of a dolphin, one of a shark, right under where his bones stuck out. His hand was on my thigh. We lay there for just a minute or two. He rubbed my leg and got out of bed. He put on his glasses, which were just a bigger version of mine. We were almost voted most alike in the yearbook when we were seniors, but some stupid girl on the staff decided a boy and girl can't be most alike. He's exactly five days older than me and six inches taller. We both have brown hair, but his is much lighter. We had razor scooters at the same time, and we rode them around town like a two-man gang. One time, I went with his mom and his dad and him to the Junction City Scandinavian Festival, and we fell asleep in the back seat together on the way home. Once we skipped school and made shirts with pictures of Slater from Saved by the Bell that said, What would Slater do? Thanks for the passionate tryst, he said. Is that what you'd call it? Yeah, I guess, I said, and he leaned over to where I was sitting on the edge of the bed and kissed me on the lips, and then found the keys and walked out the door. When I thought he'd be in the parking lot, I went to the window to wave at him, but he walked to Brian's car and didn't look back at all. The window was open and the breeze hit my face and made the whole room smell like daffodils. I went back to the bed and turned on the TV. Nothing good was on, but I stared at it for a long time anyway. To subscribe to The Writer's Block and hear more stories, visit kqed.org slash writersblock. The Writer's Block is produced by KQED.